This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And today it's Purple Access, Zolgad, Declan Goff, and also uh, Tyler Fornis. We, of course, rotate between Tyler and Chip Scoggins of the Star Tribune. Tyler uh, in charge of all of the great content at VikingsWire.com, which also is where I write my columns. Check it out, VikingsWire.com. Uh, not only your one-stop shopping for Vikings news during the season, but just as importantly, your one-stop shopping for Vikings news during the off-season. And this promises to be a very busy one with many key decisions. And Tyler, let's start there. Um, as far as Sunday's game goes, you know, Nick Mullins is going to start. We're back to, I mean, there's a bunch of guys out. But as far as this goes, can you find any compelling reason why a Vikings win would be a good thing? And I'm not talking about a Green Bay repeat. I'm not talking about Mm -hmm. what amounts to a no-show. I am talking about them, you know, having pride and being competitive. But as we talked about on uh, Purple Daily today with Mackie and Declan as well, it certainly seems that a loss would be a not-so-bad thing for a team that can improve its draft position by losing to the Lions. So there's two ways to look at it. One, there's uh, looking at it from that really broad perspective, talking about the NFL draft and being able to get that slightly higher draft pick. Great. But from a team perspective, from an inside the locker room perspective, you don't want to end on a loss. You want to end in a positive note. You want to end by winning a football game, ideally you want that game to be the Super Bowl. That's the goal of all 32 teams coming into every single season. You want to hoist the Lombardi trophy in the middle of February. The Vikings probably aren't going to be able to do that, but they do still have the ability to potentially make the playoffs. And even if they don't, and they don't get all the help that they need, it's one of those things where you can still go out on a high note with that win. And I think that that's really important to the guys in the locker room. It's important to the culture and how this team is really starting to build from that that ground up and how they really laid that foundation for the culture and winning is a good thing now would it stink to have the 12th pick instead of the ninth pick absolutely you you would love to have a higher draft pick but when it comes to the camaraderie the team building and that culture that we've talked about consistently since kevin o'connell and quasi Mets have gotten here a win is a objectively good thing and yeah it's worst draft position but there are more important things sometimes than a couple of draft spots because you can always find a way to manipulate and get the guy you want as long as you're within a certain range. And 9 to 12 may cost you a tad more in a trade-up, but it's not going to be like 9 to 23 
where that 23rd pick did cost the Vikings an ability to trade up last year. Porno, do you think that this is the Vikings' best chance to potentially get the franchise quarterback? We talked about this with Pat Royce um, this morning as well, that he believes that their path to getting a franchise quarterback obviously is is as easy as it gets, or as easier than it's been in years past, I should say, uh, given the fact that they can potentially have yeah, a draft pick between 9 or 12. He's right. It, it, theoretically, and, and I think that's the key here, theoretical, because, yeah, it's easier to hit on a guy when you draft them in the top five or top 10. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to move up to go get him. Like, and it, it it's going to sound a little bit hypocritical because I'm going to talk about the chiefs trading up for Mahomes, but they didn't trade up into the top five. They traded up to 10. And before all the allegations and stuff, the Houston Texans traded up, I believe from 25 to 12 to go get Deshaun Watson. Both of those trades, massive home runs. They got franchise quarterbacks and we can talk about the after effect with Watson, but for that four year stretch, right before they gave him that extension, true franchise guy that you were talking about being on the same level as a Patrick Mahomes. So you don't have to just necessarily go up super high to go get that guy. It makes it easier, but it's not this guarantee. Like we talked about on purple daily on draft, like the difference between 10 and 22 the pick 10 has about a 40% higher value uh, with their, their value metrics than the 22nd pick. That, that just means it's a better chance. It doesn't necessarily mean any kind of guarantee. So while the, the theory is, hey, you have a higher pick, have a higher success rate, absolutely. But you could sit it at 9, 10, 11, or 12, wherever they end up, and let's say Jaden Daniels falls there. They didn't have to do anything to go get him. They just got him. So I I think it's more about the situation they walk into in the coaching than just having that super high pick, because I think you could make an argument that they take defensive line and that should be the number one priority just because of how poor that defensive line is right now. They have the worst pass rush run rate in the national football league. The only team under 10% that with their defensive line, that does not include Daniel Hunter. We're talking the interior guys. So all in all, yeah, it's probably their best chance but franchise quarterbacks can come from pretty much anywhere. You just have to find the right guy. I think you just hit on a very, very important talker in the fan base. Um, I think for the most part, it's going to hate this, but I think it, I think you nailed it. And it's this, if Kirk cousins comes back and there's plenty of reasons to believe they want Kirk back. I'm not saying it's a done deal. They told us be, that. Right. But I, but, but I buy it too. Like there's a lot of times I don't mm-hmm. buy. I think they lie a lot in this case. I don't think that they are telling a lie, but you just hit on the key thing, which is this. If Kirk comes back, and it's my opinion, Jefferson's going to get a contract. Like, I, I think this whole thing of, well, he might wait and see who the quarterback is. He is not going to turn down the chance to get an, an extension. He just missed significant time, and God forbid he gets hurt next year without a new contract. Like, it doesn't make any sense. All of that being said, my point is this. If all of those things transpire and Kirk is throwing to Jefferson, I think you nailed it. I think they go uh, defense, probably defensive line or an edge if Daniil leaves first round. I don't think they take a quarterback if Kirk returns because guys like Kirk and Justin aren't going to say, hey, you know what would be really great? Get a guy to sit behind me, right? They're going Mm -hmm. to say what you're thinking, which is that defense needs improvements. And we are, again, competitive rebuild, always trying to win now. So I think that's a conversation that a lot of people are dismissing because of the assumption of a QB forno. And I don't think that they should be. 
it's a really tough conversation with Kirk Cousins, and it all focuses around the Achilles injury. If yep. he didn't get hurt, or is the, let's say the injury was different. Let's say like uh, he, he broke his left arm, where it, it wasn't a significant break, but it was enough to keep him out for the season. All right? Yep. I don't think anybody really questions bringing back Kirk Cousins because it's not going to impact him throwing the football. It's not going to impact velocity. It's not going to impact mobility. The Achilles can impact all of those things. And mm-hmm. I, we may not have a true answer by the time his contract voids March 15th. Now, I think it's March 13th that the window of free agency opens. And right. March 15th is when you can start signing those contracts. That's why the, the, it voids on that day. So if you're looking at Kirk Cousins, you have to have a contract signed by the time that voids. Otherwise, that all that 28.25 in dead money hits, and you can't move it. You can't touch it. It's there. You have to eat it. So it's a it's a really concrete structure window you have until that moment to be able to sign it. He may not be able to truly throw the football with any kind of movement or like utilizing his legs until that point. So you have to be able to answer that question uh, with his recovery that you're going to feel confident enough that it, that Achilles is going to be is going to be good. And that's where this whole thing gets murky because if it wasn't a, a different injury. We it, probably not having this in depth of a conversation, but he has above average arm talent, and arm talent can go really, really fast in the National Football League. Just look at what happened to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning never had a great arm. Peyton Manning's ability was right here. One of the smartest quarterbacks to ever play in the National Football League. He was so smart that it didn't matter that he threw a wobbly duck half the time because he got it there. And he got it there really, really quick. Yes. And efficiently. Well, once that arm went, he looked like garbage. And how quickly is Kirk Cousins going to deteriorate? It could take five years. It could take 10. It could, he could be done now. We, we just don't know. And that variable makes this whole conversation so difficult. If he had an elite arm, then I think we, it would be a, a different scale. Because then, oh, he just drops to above average. He's got the intelligence from playing the league for so long. Yeah, that's that's plenty fine, but it's not that case. And I want to see how that Achilles looks before we really have that in-depth conversation about the contract. And I think that's what's going to happen in the building too. But are are you going to like like he's th- this is a gradual recovery? You can't rush it. And so I think that it's going to. I mean, it sounds like it's improving. That's fantastic. But if you're if you are the GM and he is. He is, you know, at a point where he's recovering, but you don't know yet. What do you do? Like, what is your, what is, when, when you know, and what you said is the most important thing, which is if once that void hits, you ain't bringing him back. No. So, so if, if Tyler Fornis is GM of the Vikings, what is your plan? What would you do? No matter what, I'm taking a quarterback in the draft that I believe can be the franchise, the next franchise guy. And that doesn't necessarily have to be on day one, because I think right now there are three guys who are round one type quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake may Jaden Daniels. Those guys could all be gone in the top five. They could Jaden Daniels could fall towards 10. And I, I've heard that Jaden Daniels may be rated higher on some boards than both Williams and may. And we believe Williams and may were one a and one B pretty much the entire season, but you have a glut on day two that you could draft and develop Michael Penix jr. Those of you who saw that playoff game on Monday saw what we've seen throughout the last two years in college football. 
he is he is like a javelin thrower and he just he can make some special plays but he's got two torn ACLs and two dislocated shoulders that have ended seasons like that's a big question mark Cam Ward ran the air raid for four years across two universities he has an incredible arm but can you develop him within within NFL context and get him to that point I think Bonix is garbage, but some people think he's a good prospect. So that's an option on the table. And then there's a, a couple other wild cards in there as well. So if you find a guy that you believe in, you have to take him no matter what you do with Kirk Cousins, because you have to plan for the future. And because of that torn Achilles, and it wasn't a different type of injury, you have to plan for it sooner rather than later. I would offer Kirk a one-year deal. And I would probably structured around $30 million. I'm working on a really big Kirk Cousins contract extension piece right now for Vikings wire, kind of breaking down every little element that's going to go into the conversation. But outside of that, he may just want to hit the market and you know, who's going to offer him a bunch of money, probably the Atlanta Falcons who if Arthur Smith keeps that job, he's going to try and find his Ryan Tannehill. And you know who Ryan Tannehill compares really well to Kirk Cousins. (laughs) And somebody's going to offer him a big deal because they need it. Just like the Vikings did in 2018. I don't think that this regime, no matter how much they love the person, the leader, I don't think they're going to offer the player what another team will, because they'll be more desperate than what the Vikings are. Bono, what do you look at the timeline wise though, with Kirk here, like with that Achilles, like rehab, is this something that is going to linger past into free agency? Like, can he even, sign a deal right away like I, I guess uh, you know uneducated you know question here but how how does that even play out for him is this a deal that will take a long time or is he going to be allowed to you know ink a deal right before or during the first couple hours of free agency oh he'll be able to ink a deal there's they, they'll have provisions in there like oh if like cause they had something similar with Jimmy Garoppolo last year with the Raiders where he wasn't fully healed and they had to amend his contract uh, later on, just because, hey, you have to pass a physical by this point in order for these guarantees to become full. And he wasn't able to pass that physical. They modified some things and they made it work. There are ways to get around that. And there are ways like we're not talking about like 1980s medicine here. And I think that's kind of the beauty of some of these contract negotiations. You get an MRI, you get doctors to look at it. You talk to the surgeon that performed the surgery and you're going to be able to have pretty much 95% of all the answers that you need as far as how that Achilles is going to heal, how things are going. There, We're just so much more advanced than we ever have been when it comes to understanding athletic medicine. And I think for those reasons, Kirk's probably going to have a contract within a few hours of free agency, or it's going to be one of those things he takes it down to the wire with the Vikings and that March 15th at 3 p.m. date to try and get a deal inked. Okay, GM Tyler, then tell tell me this. It sounds like, and I agree, like it's very plausible. Kirk, I think Kirk is going to get paid. Like I think the Achilles mm-hmm. will be a concern, but I think you're right. I think he gets paid. Let's say it's the Falcons. He's gone. Where are you at now in your competitive rebuild with probably, let's just say it's a first-round QB What's your anticipation? What's your thoughts about 2024? I mean, you can bring guys back now. You probably try and bring mm-hmm. Daniil back, but where do you think this team is at in in its ascension or descension 
if the quarterback is a first round pick. It really depends on that. That quarterback would play year one. I think the goal would be to make the playoffs and the defense was predicated on, we're just going to out scheme you because we don't have the dudes. Right. And you know what? It worked right now. They're sitting at 16th in total defense and 12th in scoring defense. Pretty damn impressive considering where they were at under Ed Donatel last year. But Absolutely. as you move forward, it becomes a much more difficult proposition because they're go- you're going to increase your variables. You're going to, and the thing with the last few weeks and everybody knows how high I was with Jaron Hall and how I believe he could potentially be the guy. Well, I don't think he is anymore because of kind of what we've seen. I don't think the ro- his road is over. I don't think he's a lost cause, but he certainly didn't step up when he had the opportunity to. And now you kind of have to look forward. Okay. If I find a guy in round one or round two, I really like, I think you have to jump on it and you may have to just be like, okay, we're going to give this guy an opportunity to play earlier because it's not a lost season, eh, but by giving him the opportunity to, to play through some mistakes, unless you're signing a guy like a Gardner Minshew, who Minshew has the Indianapolis Colts on the precipice of a, both a playoff berth and a potential division championship as that backup guy. You end up with a guy like that, you can feel comfortable starting him maybe the whole season, but you're, you're not going to be this next level type of team and I think you may have to take a slight step back at the quarterback position because of the situation with Kirk Cousins. I don't think they had the plan to do this initially, but with injuries, things change. And I think you just may have to be like, okay, we're still going to try to win. We're still going to try to be competitive. We're just going to have to do it in a different way. And by surrounding that quarterback with everything that they need to be successful, and they're just going to have to figure it out. And by bolstering that front seven on defense, those things will make a, a big impact to try and help you be competitive next year. But it's like I said, nothing's a guarantee. And you, sometimes you just have to take a risk with the young quarterback. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Porno, do you um, <clears throat> excuse me? Do you do you think that the Vikings uh, are going to be able to basically replenish this defensive line? Though you brought up the win rate uh, stat on the beginning of the show, how the Vikings' pass rush win rate on the defensive line is the worst in the NFL. I mean that that's got, and we talked a little bit about this on Purple Daily on draft. But is that going to be too tough to build up overnight, essentially, or in or in one off season? Yeah. Um, it'll be too tough to fully fix in one off season, but you can make improvements. The one thing that I would do is I'd get that big boy. I want that big boy. Devondre Sweat from Texas, 362 pounds. That dude moves way better than that. He utilizes his size to his advantage. It's not a one-to-one comparison, so don't take it as such. But the impact Pat Williams had when he came over, I think you might be able to get that from Devondre Sweat year one or year two just because of how successful he was against really good offensive lines and what he brings, you're only going to play him 30 to 40 snaps. Like you're, he's not going to get this high snap share, but then you move Harrison Phillips to a more natural position and let him play like, like a, 
uh, defensive end in that three, four or a three technique on those pass rushing downs and not have to be a two gapper. Cause he's just not that guy. He has outplayed himself based on the position that he's been asked to play, which is honestly out of position. So now you all of a sudden strengthen him. And then you still have to continue to building up that defensive line. Jonathan Bullard has been good, very serviceable starter, but you still need more as far as a pass rush element. And it's not a one-off season thing. It's likely a two-off season thing, but you can make enough improvements to stabilize the position and go from like 32nd to 20th in pass rush win rate. Like we're not, you're not asking for miracles. You're just asking for improvement and to bolster that unit as a whole. And I think by doing so on day two or even day one of the draft, you can make a really big impact there. And a big guy there is so important, like a good one, like a real, real guy that can eat up gaps. Um, Especially in a 3-4. It's yes. so much more important. But, I mean, I want those guys now in, in this league. If, if you have athletic big guys, I love it. But you're right, 3-4, th- it becomes imperative. Okay, so um, it's likely that Sunday's game against Detroit is the last game of the season because I think the Vikings playoff chances are at 3%. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I've got a question because the draft is essentially your life. Okay. But I want to go back in time and I want to go back to the 2022 Vikings draft. Lewis seen Andrew Booth, Ed Ingram, who is a starter and will be back for sure. And then Brian Osamwa. Those are your first four picks in Quasi's first draft. Where do you think those three guys seen Booth and Osamwa are at? Like, is there a, I mean, Seen, I looked it up. I didn't realize, and I guess I'm not shocked. He hadn't played any defensive snaps this season, and until the the Packers blowout loss. Um, what's your thought process there? What's your feeling about one the chance that all three are back? And I guess the most important question: Are they at this point in time because they're going they're going to be going into their third year? Are they salvageable? Or are they all salvageable as far as being contributors next season? So it's a really difficult question because there's so many variables That's behind all this. That's why I'm here to ask you the tough questions, though. I'm, I'm glad to help. My theory is this, and I, I, I kind of started believing in this theory after having a lot of conversations. I think the big issue is that they were drafted specifically for the Vic Fangio style scheme. And now they don't fit at all with what Brian Flores wants to do. And, and kind of here's the thought process behind that. When you have a Vic Fangio style scheme, the idea is soft coverage and swarm the football. And when you swarm the football, it's okay to have guys who aren't the best tacklers. Cause it, theoretically, if Lewis C misses the tackle, Booth and Asamoah are going to be right there. And then it's a gang tackle mentality. So it's fine in this defense. It's aggressive, but disciplined. And it's something that I kind of identified early on. I'm like, okay, are they just too aggressive and not disciplined enough for this defense? And that's why they're not playing. Well, then it it, it was brought to my attention. They're really, none of them are great tacklers. And that's a problem because a missed tackle in this defense could mean 20, 30 yards. And you can't have that. You have to be disciplined. You have to be a good tackler and you have to do those things the right way. You have to be consistent with it. Well, none of them are. So, that's a problem. And I don't know if they're salvageable with this team. I don't know that they're not. I think it's going to be an off season of trying to understand and trying to develop and see where they're at in training camp. I I know you wrote about it for me at Vikings wire with Lewis seeing that he may potentially be 
uh, done with the Vikings after this year, which if a team's willing to fork over a third round pick for the guy, and, and I'm not saying that it's a good value, but I'm saying look, he's a, he's a first round pick. He, he had a catastrophic leg injury and he barely played in year two. Like, if somebody offers you something like that, you probably take it just to, like, okay, cut your losses. But I still think that there's talent enough with all three of those players where you can extract more, but you have to be able to figure out the tackling portion. And if they can't, Flores ain't going to play him. And it's a similar vein to how Kevin O'Connell said, hey, if you turn the ball over, I'm going to pull you. Well, he did with his quarterbacks. Now he went back to Nick Mullins, but that's that's kind of a different aspect of the whole thing. Like You have to be able to tackle, and none of those guys are really good at it. Do you think, Porno, that they'll still have to draft high with cornerbacks and defensive backs? Is this still a big priority going into the draft immediately for the Vikings uh, this year? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, I think if you drafted a quarterback in round one, I don't think anybody would necessarily be mad at it. I'd be disappointed. I think there were other areas where I think I'd, I'd prioritize more, mainly the defensive line, edge rusher, um, and then quarterback. Um, I even put running back as a bigger need, but I'm not taking one at 9, 10, 11, or 12. Um, right. So like, I can understand taking cornerback there instead of running back because I think running back is a very, very big need for this football team. But the thing is, you have Byron Murphy Jr., who's a very good football player. A Caleb Evans, outside of the last two games, had a really good season. And it's just these last two games that have really left a sour taste in our mouth. And you have Makai Blackman who's developing. He, I don't think he's ready to be a full-time starter, but maybe he is next year. And Andrew Booth Jr. is still this big question mark. Are you really going to want to put a, another high asset in here? Or is this something you're going to want to pursue in free agency? Maybe a trade for a, a better cornerback. I think those might be the better options than just drafting a guy. Because you're really not fixing any problems now. You're fixing problems in two years. And with where this defense is, you probably need to make that more of a focus now than later. And that that's kind of how I would approach cornerback. Still get another guy in the room, yeah, like a young guy. But I think I'd, I'd rather want to look in free agency. There's no reason why Ty Chandler can't, can't be the guy, right, at, at the running back spot because I'm I'm with you totally. I am not drafting one high unless it's just some type of unique talent. And I mean, the the Vikings have enough needs that I'm not going to expend mm-hmm. a high draft pick on that position. But from what I've seen, Chandler and look, I'm sure he can improve in uh, in, in blocking. I'm not saying he can't make improvements, um, but I think it's pretty clear that he deserves m- more of a chance. Do you agree with that? Yes and no. Um... Look, one of his big strengths coming out of college was pass protection. And he's been incredibly inconsistent in pass protection. It's it's almost like the uh, I've talked about a lot with these quarterbacks, that bozo gene. He kind of has that bozo gene in pass protection where he just whiffs. And yep. it, it's not bad form. It's just he screws it up. And I, I really wonder why. Why is that so inconsistent considering how consistent he was in college with that one specific ability? And I, I I think he deserves an opportunity, but you're not getting on the field if you can't pass protect. And if you can't pass protect, well, if you're on the field, guess what? You're only going to be on the field to run the football, and then that's a tell for the defense. That's why Madison gets more playing time, even though he's a, I think he's an objectively worse runner. Right, right. 
Forno's dog, very upset. I knew he was a Ty Chandler fan. Yeah. I knew. See, and you're giving this response. He's like, just give him a chance, Dad. Come on, damn it. Um, yeah, you can what, hear him. He's he's just going bonkers. No, he's pissed off, and I don't blame him. You well, you force him to watch all that film, and then you don't ask for his takes, and I don't blame him for being upset. All right, last thing uh, before we're done here is Sunday's game. Harrison Smith's last game as a Viking. Yes, um, it, it it's it's hard to really have these conversations about players who are ring of honor guys, Harrison Smith, you could potentially have a conversation about making the hall of fame, but he's done. Um, And he's not going to be worth the money. You have to pay him. You save almost $12 million in cap space by releasing him. It's look, sometimes when from a football only perspective and on the field perspective, it's just time. And you have to be able to, as a front office, be able to have those conversations and be able Mm -hmm. to, make a decision based on football. And I think it's just time and it sucks because he's been such a linchpin for this defense for over a decade. And he's done so much for this city so much for this team, but it's time. Um, And I think it, it, it'd be nice to just let him go out on his own terms. And I think your dog agrees completely for no great stuff. Thanks much. He's Declan. I'm Judd. This has been purple access. Dex, go ahead. Hit the subscribe button for daily Vikings entertainment. This is Purple Daily.